1: So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter so we can chat. So moving on, the next thing I would just like to briefly discuss is that in '85, so I believe, I know it was after Live Aid, um, Bono and his wife Ali went to Africa, and this the story of Bono and Ali in Mm -hmm. Africa is um the name of my Toto cover band, Bono and Alley in Africa. I like it. Um they went kind of on the DL without photo ops or press or anything um because they actually really wanted to like do something and not just have um the celebrity photo op and they spent a month there. Yeah in a like a place where it was like a food place where people, and Bono said he woke up in the morning, there were thousands of people like lined up to get food from this place. And some, a good number of them got turned away every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it was a feeding center. And they, they uh, lived in a, a, it says it was a wood shelter with a tin roof. yeah um the guy that that arranged their um their visit his name was steve reynolds and uh he said this is such a great quote his quote was um when god does eye surgery you never see things the same again and that's what wow i know chills right Um, I mean, clearly he's not, Bono's not one to feel things lightly. If he feels, uh, we all feel it. And um, there was a man that, before they were leaving, there was a man that frantically went to him and said, can you take my son, please take my son with you when you go? And he was like, as much as I want to do that, you know, I can't do it. And not only that, but that was the rule. Like they had to sign a contract or something that they wouldn't take. (laughs) And he <laughs> yeah like that wasn't what this it was more legal issues for the organization than um it was worth, and the man said that um you know he his son was gonna die if Bono didn't take yeah. him and Bono said that he left, and he doesn't know if that kid um lived or died, but he lives in him still. So apparently that was a, a really big uh, life-altering.
0: I believe, I mean, like, I mean, obviously, the his entire rest of his life has been devoted to Africa. Like, this is.
1: And I mean, it, I crazy. guess it goes back to Band Aid actually, because, you know, I don't think that Bono was all that interested in Africa. He just felt he couldn't tell Bob Geldof no. Because he's a fellow Irishman.
0: Right. And he wants to do good. Oh, Oh, so um, I meant to mention this earlier. So back around the October years, when the band band, uh, part that was Bono, Edge, and Larry were trying to figure out how to balance their rock and roll life versus their faith life. And, you know, they were being pressured by their religious group to leave the band, but they didn't want to leave the band. And they decided that they they needed to use the band for good. Like this was this was their purpose, that rock and roll doesn't have to be all sex, drugs and rock and roll and insanity. It can be used for good. And so they knew very early on in their career that that was their direction. And they. They found a way to do it. Right. Absolutely. There's some funny stories. Well, if you Google it, you can find I know there's some very hard to hear clip on YouTube. It's the audio with just some pictures or something of uh, Bono and Ali wrote a song about hygiene. Mm -hmm.
1: Something
0: like that that they taught the kids and the people, um, they they did a they sang a lot of songs that were teaching them about hygiene and Taking care of themselves to help them leave healthier lives.
1: They're very, very
0: cute and poppy.
1: One of the songs was about not eating the seeds today because they need them for the crops later. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Very
0: practical stuff. Very. They're very U-2-y sounding. <laughs> and there is what what did the kids call him? They called him like the the because he looked, he had hair like a woman.
1: I wrote it down. Do You remember? The girl with the beard. The girl with the beard. So he had this big beard that it still is. It still is a baby beard because it didn't fill in very well. And he had long oh. hair and uh, an <laughs> earring, and so they called him the, the girl, girl with the beard. Beard. Yeah. That's okay. He took it.
0: Exactly, I like it.
1: yeah
0: Okay, so after they got back from Africa, is that when then Sun City happened, little Stephen recruited him for Sun City
1: Sun City actually was uh, it was a luxury resort in um, South Africa and It was during apartheid, so a time of um, basically white supremacy. Um, And the UN imposed a cultural boycott of South Africa to condemn apartheid. And then the resort got this idea to um, pay out massive amounts of money to any artist that would um, play there, and they got a lot of people. All the Beach Boys, Cher, Eliza Minnelli, Frank Sinatra, Rod Stewart, Elton John, and Queen. Wow. Queen played like a, a series of shows there, I believe. And later, they uh, defended themselves by saying that they would they didn't the de- their deal was that they didn't play to um, they didn't play to a segregated audience but oh. i don't think that was possible because they it just wasn't I mean it was
0: the the nature of apartheid was
1: yeah
0: segregated so, one way or another
1: yes um but that was so there was a the awareness campaign was to get artists not to play sun city
0: yeah ain't going to play sun city no so there was an album with it or with a single there was a song yes that oh uh, i looked up I, I you can't find the you can't find it on itunes i couldn't find it but i found the video online which is just torturous it is over seven minutes long <laughs> it's i'm like where i'm like bono's in here somewhere i find it it was at like the 441 mark.
1: <laughs> he shows
0: up. <laughs> and um uh, it it's it's just he's got like a big line. He's very serious.
1: Yeah, he got the line again. He got the Yeah, he got
0: like the big line again. Um I'm trying to think what it was.
1: It's I say that video is like gloriously horrible.
0: It is glor... I mean it's everyone, it's got the rappers, it's got the pop stars, it's got it I think it it's and it's from the eighties. Like we can't be judging.
1: But I but... mean he really dances in that like it's... He does dance. <laughs> With his baby beard and um
0: That's at the five thirty mark. <laughs> so um,
1: yeah. um, so
0: and his air, his hair is perfectly ironed as well. Oh, that's the other thing from, we mentioned from Live Aid. This is one of his new quotes nowadays. <laughs> is it? What, it? Oh, I don't, I'm going to, I forget exactly what it is. But it's like, no self-respecting man should iron his hair before no. the biggest moment of his career.
1: I'll tell you what, though. That outfit he wore, I'd wear that outfit any but day of the week. Aid? Hell yeah. yeah. I think you do wear it. I kind of do, don't I? That is kind of my style with like the boots. Yeah, it's very um. It's oddly a tailored look. Yes, but those boots and the pants and the jacket with the puffy shirt, the military jacket, like that's so my style. It has
0: been for a long time.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I would I would totally wear that. Yeah. Um, So also on the. The album that came out that was Artists Against Apartheid. Um, as the story goes, one one of the songs on the album started with um, uh, an old story that Bono was in New York and he was hanging out with the Jagger and Keith Richards, and they were like, "Play us one of your songs," and he's like, "I don't have any songs. Like he can't play a song without his band. Like he wasn't." He had nothing, and he said he was yeah so embarrassed that he went back um like he didn't realize that that was lacking, I think, in his life, and so he uh went back to his hotel room, this was around about the time a friend of theirs, little Stephen, was putting together the record of artists against Artist a-
0: against apartheid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's written about a man in a shanty town outside of Johannesburg.
0: Johannesburg. (laughs) A man (laughs) who's looking down the barrel of white South South Africa.
1: A man who's lost faith in the peacemakers Peacemakers
0: of of the West.
1: While they argue.
0: Argue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they fail to
0: support a man like Bishop Tutu.
1: His request for economic sanctions against South
0: Africa. Africa.
1: Am I bugging you? (laughs) (laughs) I've lived my whole life for that.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to bug
1: you. No,
0: I didn't actually know I knew that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that turned out to be uh, silver and gold, which is featured live on um, on Ronald and Hum, which we'll discuss later. But uh, it he was... said, like he
0: like he went back to his hotel room. And he had his guitar and like some boots. Like or is there he or he had something on his boots and like that's the clacking noise. Yeah. But on the album he recorded it with Mech and Keith, or they're credited with it.
1: Yeah. Well, on the actual album, um, it's, it's a it's, great version.
0: It's a great version of that song. It's,
1: it's it's so like compared to the version that they play live, it's so stark and yeah. It's raspy,
0: been... raspy voice. Like I love it.
1: I love it, too. Like, I um, I think if that's your first song you write by yourself, that's a pretty good one. I mean, yeah. I like, high
0: five them for that.
1: Yeah, seriously. It's a really good job. But I love the story and I love that I, you know, we we could explain it more to you guys in our own words. Yeah,
0: in our own words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not our
0: words. <laughs> Asterisk, Not our words.
1: Okay, so I have I have two quotes about this, which I totally forgot I even had. Um, okay, let's hear them. Okay, so in an interview, and I just I just thought this was so great. An interview, uh, little Stephen, who is part of the E Street Band, which we didn't remember. Yes, he didn't mention before. Hashtag Bruce. Bruce. Um. Little Steven was in, doing an interview and he was asked if he thought with Live Aid and We Are The World and Band Aid and Farm Aid if there were too many aid songs. And he was like, are there too many love songs? Oh, I like that. And then, um, so Benvano said that somebody, in, in an interview, somebody asked him, why is it always him out front? And he said that Basically because the others wanted a life to live a life and that activism had become his life. Yeah. So um I didn't think I had that much on Sun City.
0: Yeah, you had a good amount of stuff. Well it's so interesting because I could see how in the moment it's just like there's all these songs and like just being in front of them all. But now in hindsight this has been his mission since the beginning. And he found his niche of yep. where to focus on yep. the entire continent of Africa. But
1: yep. And you know the rest quite of the
0: world. Big. And the rest.
1: Of the yeah, world but big. definitely he's taken on Africa on his own there. So. Yeah.
0: And we'll have to do more I mean, if we're gonna this is like good stuff part one.
1: We've got a big good stuff part two.
0: Yeah. We can just keep doing it.
1: In a in a while. Um
0: So after, so I believe Sun City came out December
1: 1985.
0: Mm-hmm. So Live Aid's July 85, Sun City's December 85, and then we get to self-aid for Ireland, which is May 86. This is like boom, boom,
1: right.
0: boom, boom. So self-aid, apparently there was a catastrophic level of unemployment in Ireland. And this was a concert to, I mean, they didn't need to raise awareness for this. They needed to raise money to help the jobless. And they needed to raise awareness and to um, really pressure these big companies to open up jobs. Mm -hmm. So this was a concert. It was the Erie Sun Tribune called it Jobs Cash in rock and roll. It was a 14 hour long concert. That was of course. Bob Geldof inspired. Because apparently once you find your thing. You go for it. <laughs> U2 was the big headliner.
1: Big big headliner.
0: Big big headliner. Other big names were Boomtown Rats. With Bob Geldof. Dan Morrison and Elvis Costello. It was at the Royal Dublin Showgrounds. Which held 30,000 people, that was the attendance. Bono admitted that, and he says it even on stage, that he has a hard time identifying with the unemployed, because at this point he was 26, and he had been, been in a band for 10 years. So, but he knew that it was part of his job to help support these people. He said it way more eloquently, and in a much more compassionate way than that, the concert ended up 1,200 jobs were pledged post-concert. So 12, hopefully those 1,200 people had jobs. And it was also on TV. It's like a telephone, And they raised 500,000 pounds. Wow. Um, what that went to, I don't know. <sighs> um, Bono was in his um, brown-fringed coat phase.
1: <laughs> he's a little uh, a little uh, chubby too
0: a little filled out
1: yeah that's but, yeah, we're,
0: we're fine we're body positive Yes, yeah. purely mentioning I'm sure his tushy was great I'm sure <laughs> Edge had entered his um, playing card in the hat phase <laughs> these are very important things they didn't last long the they played Pride acoustic, and then Come on Everybody Eddie Cochran song, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan, and fun. So I I need to look up Maggie's Farm because I don't understand the story behind it. Whatever, it's a pretty like intense song. Like they sing it really. Apparently, it's very pertinent. And I feel bad that I don't understand it. And then Bono thought they were done. That they'd run out of time. And they tell him that they can do one
1: more song. So they do bad. And I it, I think it was, a, it was a really good
0: successful show. And a successful concert. And they're always happy to play home.
1: And, and that was and that, a really important show. Because, you know... Everything else is foreign, but that's domestic, and obviously it's closer to And it's not
0: Africa. It's home.
1: It's home. Um, It's, I think, also important to note that they were recording Joshua Tree when all this went down, and, I mean, they stopped recording. They pushed back actually recording when uh, to play these shows, to play – Self-aid.
0: Yeah. Well, nothing's more important to them than home. This is for sure. As much as they get shit around Dublin and Ireland for being as big as they are, they seem to support one another. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't feel like there's anything about self-aid that's necessarily remarkable about their performance, I mean, other than the fact that it was just a really great performance. I don't think there's, I don't have anything, I feel like I just, that was a small dissertation. (laughs) Because then, that was, oh my gosh, that was May 17, 86, and then June 14, is that right? No, 14. June 4th, I wrote that was actually. June 4, nice. they hopped on the Conspiracy of Hope tour, which was like a little two week tour celebrating the 25th anniversary of Amnesty Inter- International. There's a fun story about this that the a gentleman from Amnesty. There are two people from Amnesty who were tasked with finding artists for whether it was a show or a series of shows. And they got in touch with, they had a meeting with Paul McGinnis and Bono. And and they said, you've got us. Tell us where and when you've got us. We will do this. And I guess McGinnis got like I don't know a scrap piece of paper and whatever and wrote like a really informal letter because they figured oh once we got you too we'll get any we'll get everyone else and they're like you need it in writing people will not believe you that it is legit or finalized or on the books if it's not in writing and even then they had a hard time they ended up with. A six shows over a two week period starting in San Francisco and then ending with a televised event in Giant Stadium in New Jersey
1: that was aired on MTV
0: yes it was eight bands with guests coming and going 36 musicians 200 tour personnel on one airplane for two weeks
1: Crazy. Well, maybe
0: all that—that's oh the tour, the two hundred tour personnel I think include the thirty six musicians.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha.
0: I think so. Well, all the- two people were on the same airplane, and they're apparently just like the camaraderie and stories that came out of that.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the artists that performed, um, and, and it was again Not all these artists performed. Every night, but they uh, Mm -hmm. included uh, Peter, Paul, Mary, Little Steven, Bob Geldof, um, Jackson Brown, Yoko Ono, Howard Jones, Miles Davis, the Neville Brothers, Joan Baez, Lou Reed, Peter Gabriel, uh, Brian Adams, Joni Mitchell, and the Police
0: the police if sting was on the tour on the two week tour and yeah. i believe there was and he had a jazz band with him and one night in atlanta it was the police
1: right and then uh, but then so i think that they played the police because they had been broken up they got back together just for these shows right um, it, it was so atlanta and the next show was in chicago and then the last show in east rutherford yeah um
0: there's um i read a few different things and in every instance it mentioned some pillow fight on the airplane
1: i read that too without also, much
0: detail so apparently that was something memorable
1: yeah i i read that too um it also because they were you know, this was to raise money and awareness. They didn't have a big budget, so they stayed in, like, hotels like Hyatt and Ramada and Marriott. What did yeah. the- they stay at a Hyatt? I'm just saying. <laughs> One time they stayed at <laughs> a Hyatt in San Antonio, but that's another story.
0: That's a whole other story. That was yeah. a Hyatt, like, resort.
1: Yeah. Um, but so after the show's mean. These are past the days of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So afterwards, everybody would just go to the hotel, bar, or lounge, and all these musicians would just sit around and talk and play music and, and to be a fly on the wall. Oh,
0: with, my gosh, right?
1: With that group. Um, and Adam said that, you know, everyone did their part and everybody, you know, they, they went back and forth between you two being the opener or the police or Sting being the opener. Um, but he, Adam said that it's really hard to have an ego when you're dealing with prisoners of conscience as an issue.
0: There were a handful of prisoners of conscience that, which is what Amnesty International deemed people who were being held not because they had done something illegal, but because they were speaking out against injustice. And there were maybe uh, six or so specific people that they were campaigning for that hoped that they would actually be released by the end of this tour. And there was at the end of that giant stadium show, there were a handful of prisoners of conscience that joined them on stage. If any of them were any of those specific people, I'm not sure, but it's pretty crazy how effective it is. I mean, I remember being a young fan and seeing the Amnesty um, address in the back of the liner notes, and I wrote it, and I would get letters from the Amnesty saying, here's who you write to, and here's what you say, and I did it every single time.
1: And Greenpeace, I remember. And Greenpeace. Yeah. But I was
0: writing to these people about... Freeing prisoners, like it was my job.
1: Oh, absolutely, it they were. Did a great job with uh, making us all aware. Um, yeah, I think, and I don't have the figure, but I don't know the membership of Amnesty International after the Conspiracy of Hope tour, like increased by like a thousand times or something. I mean, it's was some- was a huge number.
0: Huge. There is speculation about how effective an awareness campaign like this awareness tour could be. They could obviously raise money through tours and singles, but what would this do? And there, I read a story from Bono about there was sometime in the mid, I want to say it was 75, 76 that he went to a show with the with the police there, oh my gosh, I I forget, but it was a it was an awareness show for amnesty, and that's when he jumped on that train.
1: It was. He's the, like, if it worked for me, yeah. How come
0: it won't work for everyone else? And he was right. Like he knew.
1: Was it the secret policeman's ball?
0: It was the secret policeman's ball. Yes, I knew the police was, I knew the police were there, and I knew it was in the title.
1: Pretty sure that they played there at some point. I, I mean, it was a regular. They had it several, everybody.
0: right? But he, the thing I re, remember, I remember him mentioning, and I'd be like, "Wait, police!" I had to read it a few times to make sure I was reading that correct. That the police were actually there. But he's like, "Awareness campaigns work." Right. So he was happy to be on it. I have a quote from Bono. He says, "You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to hit back at the injustice of the world we live in." That is amnesty rel- related. And Sting said, it's one thing to reflect the mood of the time. It's a much harder, but it's much harder to change the times." Some little fodder there.
1: Yeah. Um, well uh, a, at least my memorable um, uh, my memorable moment of this, obviously um, was, uh, so you two had gone back and forth again with, like they'd have a show where they were the headlining act and then sting was, and they were and the police and they went back and forth. Like it was really fair. Um, but so the last show, um, the police were supposed to close, but they were the headliner, but, um, at the last minute, they asked for you two to end the show, and it was um, like a ceremonial handing over guitars. Um, and they and you two finished playing with the police's instruments after their set. And Bono said it was incredibly generous on their part. That um, Sting was pretty emotional because it was the end of him being in a band.
0: Yeah, I mean he. Oh, been- gave me chills.
1: <laughs> and and what they were doing was passing the torch um, to you too. Yeah. Which to me, you know, I mean, they were the biggest band in the world for a really long time. The Police, and they just kind of mm. like our time is up. It's yours now, uh, which it surely was. But to me, that's just so awesome. Those are but-
0: all of our guys.
1: Yeah, it just makes me so happy. But uh, there was a a song that um, Bono came on with the police, and he sang with Sting "Invisible Sun," which is about Northern Ireland. So that was kind of fitting. Yeah, I don't know when that was. I don't think it was the last show. I think it was another show. But um, but was just really cool. Like I just like that, that camaraderie. I mean,
0: definitely. Yeah. So, in I just figured this out as I was doing some research for this app. Was it in two thousand thirteen they released a CD,
1: which it's I like listened a five to. five disc today. CD or
0: something. Which yeah. what
1: I listened to part of it today. You sent me the link and I never watched it. I mean, I never listened to it, and then I yeah. listened to it today. And it's, it's not. Um, good.
0: It is not good, and I want to blame some of the recording at the time, and. Uh-huh. Bono has some like bad is great, but
1: MLK. He's
0: so it starts with MLK into Pride, and MLK is like I don't know what he what he's doing. He's like (laughs) barely speaking the words, and Pride was like a screaming version. I don't know where it was recorded, but this was not
1: screaming version of Pride. It was like he gave up entirely of having any control over his voice. So he just yelled.
0: Yeah. But, but that sounded pretty good.
1: Sunday play Sunday. I thought sounded. Yeah. It's, it, it was a very, you know, um, toned down version from what they played in the past. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of cool, but in that you can kind of hear that he has, some little bit of a grasp of his voice but maybe he was just saving it for a recording i don't know because it just sounded bad it sounded like he was yelling a lot
0: yeah then also on the cd they sing maggie's farm the bob dylan song help the beatles and um sun city where a lot of the band uh, the Sun City participants right. that are there come out. That was a version I watched on YouTube. So I'm wondering if that is from the N T V show.
1: Maybe. Um, but from all of this, from, you know, the talking about Band-Aid and talking about Live Aid and, and all the way through Conspiracy of Hope, there's just something really... It just makes me feel like what good guys and what humble guys. I mean, I think that over time at different times, they maybe lose that just a little bit, but that's okay, too. I mean, you need to, if you're yeah. going to be a rock star, you may as well be a rock star. But I mean, the way that they, you know, the way that Bono and Adam talked about how, um, you know, uncomfortable they were when they went to Band-Aid, that it wasn't, uh, they weren't. In their element, that wasn't who they were, and then even more yeah. so, um I mean Larry and Adam both said that they were crazy nervous to go on stage in that, and then all the way to conspiracy of hope, and now they're like, you know the These are their people yeah and it's it's just an amazing in just that small amount of time um and i i'm I mean obviously Live Aid gave them a boost, but they also needed a boost. You yes. know. Um because I mean, you know, they had matured from boy, but now it's like really being responsible grown ups kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And these are big commitments. Like I remember the, the reading the guy who, you know, booked you two and they were trying to get more people to play on this tour. These are active work They're Rich rock stars, but they're working musicians, and they're you know, I'm on tour or I'm recording, or my band's unavailable at this time. Like, there were so many people that just couldn't physically do it because of other commitments. And you two made it happen because it was important to them. They also, I guess, when they landed in New York or when they were in New Jersey for the MTV show. There was an anti-apartheid—that's <laughs> a lot <laughs> syllables—rally <laughs> in New York <laughs> that went on was going on all day, and they felt like they should make an appearance, and they did. And it's possible, like no one even knew they were there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool. But,
0: but they showed up. Yeah. It was in Central Park or something like that, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, they're it's yeah when they find something they're committed to they stick to it this is for sure
1: so what is the uh what is the question you would ask Bono over whiskey and cake
0: oh gosh you know i think about this <laughs> when we're doing the album apps but this one i hadn't gone through so i'll just i'll just throw something out there I would ask him if he would do that, if he could like rewrite how those awareness and fundraisers happened, knowing what he knows now about budgets and governments and this and this and that, if there would be a more effective way to raise more money or more awareness
1: that's a really good question
0: but through the music and through the concerts i mean obviously he's doing so much commercially and through legislation and this and that now but um was like how effective was this or what would he add on to or change to make these events more effective that's really deep and a good
1: question Do you like to hear my question?
0: I want to hear your question.
1: I would ask Bono over cake and whiskey if he would go see my Toto cover band if I call it Bono and Ali in Africa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he sure as hell better show up.
1: <laughs> I mean, we don't have a singer either. So, you don't it's have. It's okay because the
0: Garden Tarts don't have a drummer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's for all guitar players, right?
0: I think so. <laughs>
1: singers or something.
0: We're all <laughs> guitar players.
1: Yeah. So that's
0: another up we're going to do. We're going to get Garden Tart Amanda on the horn and we're going to do an origin story. Hey there, listeners. If you're a YouTube fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work. And the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing Red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, Where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. Hey, welcome to Good Stuff.
1: Good Stuff, baby.
0: Are you going to break into the b fifty (laughs) two?
1: But it is... uh... It is a shout-out to that wonderful album, Hashtag Good Stuff. Awesome. YouTube's done a lot of good stuff.
0: They have done a lot of good stuff. And they started doing so much good stuff in the 80s that we thought it would be good to take a break, a small pause from our album chats, and cover some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a lot to cover in the course of like two and a half years.
0: I know it is, but we're going to try and, and um, fly through it. Should we say hi to some of our new people?
1: Please, let's do that.
0: I tried to make kind of a, a best of, not best of, because everyone is best. I tried to make a diverse list, and this is some of them. We can say hello to Alberta, Canada,
1: Yay! our new friend in
0: Sri Lanka,
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Legit. I've actually chatted with him on Twitter. It's a real person. (laughs) (laughs) Amsterdam, Manchester, England, and more of England. Um, Back in the States, we've got some more cities in California. Anaheim, Reseda, Philadelphia, the entire state of Minnesota. It's actually just one city. I didn't write it down. And there's a good handful of Northeast Ohio cities. Which is where I live, and I don't know who these people are, <laughs> which is pretty exciting to me.
1: <laughs> who are you, Cleveland area people? And what are your uh, what are your license plates? <laughs> 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 so
0: there, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see you would have seen that in my local grocery store. I see it all the time now. It's a YouTube War license plate, and where they park, it's actually more behind in apartment buildings slash businesses like the bottom floor is businesses and the second floor is apartments so it's someone back there.
1: Oh, you should leave a note on their car.
0: I will next time. Who are you? I actually thought about it last time but I had nothing to write on.
1: Oh when we have our business cards just put one of those under the
0: I will for sure.
1: You know, ...wiper.
0: <laughs> I totally will.
1: I got a We're coming for you YouTube
0: more <laughs> 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 um. Second most important thing. What are you drinking tonight?
1: I am drinking um, the Jameson castmate Stout Edition with some sour mix and ginger ale in oh. my, my U two been... cup.
0: Oh, look at that U two cup.
1: My U two tumbler.
0: Where did you get that?
1: Got it in Connecticut.
0: At the U two store. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what my dad says. I'll okay. be like, wh- I'll be like, where'd you get that radio? He says at the radio store.
1: Right. I, yeah. I say everything. My boss asked once, where do you think you would get those big checks? <laughs> the big checks store. Bigchecks.com. Okay. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> I was being a smart ass, but there is bigchecks.com. I'm sure there is. Where <laughs> does sweepstakes big checks? That is hilarious. Well, I, they, it just so happened that I was in um, Connecticut, and there was a U2 show there. Oh. And they cups! But I think I paid like 20 bucks because I had to pay for the cocktail and the...
0: Oh, nice. I had a cocktail in it.
1: But it was worth it. Yeah. And then I found one on the floor, so I took that one, too.
0: Oh, sweet. Not even matching set. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I have a new to me, Jameson. I went to go buy more of the stout edition. Or I thought I would try not buy Jameson this time, but that seems to be harder than I thought. And this is um, it's new to me. It's called the Black Barrel. I should have bought the bottle in because the tagline was great. It's like charred for a smooth taste. (laughs) Or something like that. It's amazing. There it's no joke so cheers I don't
1: really need a tagline it's just Jameson
0: it's just Jameson <laughs> but now there's so many Jamesons I know so my friend here in the Cleveland area who is from Ireland her sister's coming to visit and she's trying to bring me a bottle of the Jameson cold brew Oh my but god! apparently it's only available in Dublin and she lives on the west coast and is flying out of Shannon and so she's, she's going to look at Duty Free and see if they can find it
1: I have a friend that just got back, but I didn't realize he was there until he got back. Yeah. He probably was.
0: She's like emailing info at jameson.com <laughs> <laughs> to try and find it for me. What a good friend. I didn't ask her to do that.
1: <laughs> we should have her on the podcast. Maybe she can interview us if, if Bonner's not available.
0: Oh, that's an idea.
1: She's got the accent, right?
0: If Bono and Oprah aren't available?
1: No, oh, if Bono and Oprah aren't available, then...
0: We'll, we'll go for someone with an Irish accent.
1: Or anyone. <laughs> She'd be happy
0: to. She'd be on the floor <laughs> laughing at us the whole
1: time. I think any, anyone that would uh, be patient enough with us. We're going to do that. We're going to do an up that uh, interview of us by someone else. Yes. Someday.
0: Someday. Maybe we'll have a few of them. Huh? Hmm. Maybe we can do a few.
1: Yeah. Different
0: yeah. styles of guests. That'd yeah. be fun.
1: A lot of, uh... But we all have guests, and instead of asking them questions, they can ask us questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's find out what kind of um, do-good-good good stuff the band was doing.
1: Lots of good stuff. Um, yeah. So... During the course of this uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about um, Band-Aid, Live Aid, Artists Against Apartheid, and Self-Aid, with some other little bits in there.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is so much stuff.
1: But it covers uh, November 25th, 84, through June 15th, 86. Which really, when you think of it, isn't really that long. And in the middle of all of that, And this is a really thing that we have to keep in mind. In the middle of all that, they were touring and recording the Joshua Tree.
0: So much. Yeah. I can't even imagine.
1: I'm overwhelmed putting the information together. I can't imagine living through that. I know.
0: I feel like we're going to have to, like, this is like Cliff Notes. Yeah. For sure.
1: I I needed my own uh, fact checker.
0: (laughs) That would have been good.
1: Yeah.
0: But we'll do so, our best. People yeah. will fact check us. please tell us if we're wrong. But be nice. Just be like, we, oh, just um, so you know, here's the correct information and we'll be like duly noted. Yeah, we won't make that mistake wrong. again.
1: I'm pretty we sure we need to be wrong. What we're I'm pretty sure we know what we're talking about with most of this stuff, but I mean we could have some facts wrong. Please tell yeah. us nicely.
0: Can I start with um a a quote from Pete Townsend. Yes. And I think this is actually more around like the amnesty conspiracy of hope, but I think it just sets the tone for everything. He says, I wouldn't like to see you two burn out because they take too much of the world's problems on their shoulders. They're very compassionate. I think what Bono has to realize pretty soon is that no one man can do it all. Hmm. Which we could probably say, um, maybe he can.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, that's really interesting.
0: Isn't it? I found that. That was a quote from Rolling Stone. And I. Um, just, that's heavy. And maybe he is not saving the world by himself, but he sure has built one hell of a team. Yeah. To do it. Okay. So what do we start with first?
1: Um, let's go in chronological order. Okay. That- is that means we start with band-aid okay um i have some fun facts before we get into um well i guess everything we're doing is a fun fact but it was reported on uh november 25th 1984 um the bbc had uh covered um the famine in Africa pretty, uh, in Ethiopia, pretty extensively. And it, it sat with Bob Geldof. He he watched it on the BBC. He watched the news reports. Um, and he, uh, obviously, that moved him. Um, but... And people yeah. who
0: don't know, Bob Geldof, singer of the Irish band Boomtown
1: Rats. Yeah. Yes. Ethiopia from uh, 1983 to 1985 had a famine, and it was a combination of a civil war and a record low rainfall, and the government just mismanaged um, all their money. 46% of the Ethiopian gross national product went to military spending while the country starved. The UN estimates that one there were one million deaths. Wow. Yeah, from that famine, and I I, I remember that being on the news. Um, but ironically, the choice for this song is a Christmas song, and um, at the time, Ethiopia had a communist government, and they didn't celebrate religious festivals, and even if they did. Three quarters of the population doesn't celebrate Christmas anyway. But whatever works.
0: Well, it's a good selling point. But the yeah. whole the whole tagline of the song is, "Do they know it's Christmas time at all?"
1: They probably don't because it's because it was
0: like illegal.
1: But if we, you know, if you sell it,
0: okay, it's selling records.
1: They, the Ethiopians, unfortunately, were not the ones buying the record, so you're right. get to go to your um, fan base. Um, But that's a... Yeah, so the recording studio gave them 24 hours to record and mix the album.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, 24 hours um, to get all of those people. It took... uh, They recorded the audio from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m.,
0: do you know how many people were on the recording by chance?
1: Um,
0: it's okay if not. I'm just curious. It's a lot. If you haven't heard this, it's every major celebrity at the time, including Bono and Adam.
1: Yeah. Um. It's. Uh. I mean, I'll tell you some of the people. Um. Or I'll just say, participating members were from some of these bands. Um. Cool in the gang, status quo, uh, Boomtown Rats, obviously. Uh, Bananarama, Spandau Ballet, Culture Club, Paul Young, Paul Weller, Jodie Watley, Midyear, and uh, that's all I got. Okay. Oh, and Adam. And Adam. Yeah. Um. So I read in YouTube Two by You Two, which is great and very, very... Uh, humbling of I think Bono and Adam but apparently Bob Geldof called Bono to see if they would participate and their schedules were really tight and so basically the band said no and Bono said yeah Um, but Bono didn't want to go by himself so Adam said because uh, you know he didn't want Bono to feel bad and being alone he tagged along and, you know, when you think about it, and this goes for Live Aid as well, but these were huge pop stars, and Bono was just a little picture at the time. Like, he didn't, yeah, and so he's, yeah. he this said
0: pre, way pre-Joshua Tree.
1: Way pre, and so he said that when he got there, people just stared at him because he didn't look like a pop star. He felt out of place, and no one made any effort to make him feel otherwise but Simon Laban, Bono said he had grace
0: oh
1: yeah so Bono looked at the lyrics when he got there and he said well the best lyric is uh tonight thank god it's them instead of you and he was like that's the best lyric and it's biting and it's you know a prime example of a rock star and he was like but I'll never sing that line Like
0: right, <laughs> right.
1: That's like, I I know that is the least likely line I will sing. And Bob, Geldof walked up to him and told him to sing that line. And Bono was like, I'm not singing that line. And uh, Bob said that the song was about helping people, not about Bono. Oh. And then Bono's reply was, no, really, it was about Bob. But (laughs) Bono sang it. Yeah. Bono sang it. And he said in his head he was impersonating Springsteen. Fair, yeah.
0: fair, fair play, Bono.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I love this song. I have very fond memories of being a child and uh, hearing this song on the radio, and I still get as excited um, now hearing it as I did. Then I especially get happy when I hear Sting sing his own name.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Your sting of tears, and I'm like... <laughs> And that's the best. I hope that that wasn't an accident.
0: Oh, um, I hope. I don't think anything like that could be a coincidence.
1: The <laughs> thing is that um, David Bowie was supposed to sing, um, and uh, he couldn't make it, so Paul Young got his uh, got David Bowie's line. That would be a totally different song. Um, I mean, I think Paul Young does a great job, like amazing job, but... Yeah. It would have given it a totally different context if uh, um, David Bowie had sang it. The other thing, fun fact, is that um, Boy George was supposed to be there, but never woke up. And he he ended up being there, but he never woke up. And Bob Geldof had to call him on the phone in New York, (gasps) get him to get on the Concord so he could be there. Oh my um, gosh. Got there at 6 PM and they recorded until 11.
0: That is crazy.
1: So crazy. It's a
0: fun fact.
1: It's a really, really fun fact, but, um, culture club, we're in the middle of a tour and literally Bob Geldof. It's a, woke will up by phone to have him flown over from New York on the Concord. Oh my <laughs>
0: God. That is crazy town.
1: So, so crazy. Um, so, Band Aid was the fastest-selling single of all time in the UK at the time. Uh, it sold a million copies in its first week alone. It was not um, was not overtaken until Elton John's version of "Candle in the Wind" for Princess Diana in '97. Uh, um, wow, which makes a lot of sense. It ended up Band Aid raised. Eight million pounds they thought it was going to raise uh, 70,000 pounds okay gosh so that was really um, that was really really impressive um so impressive yeah and then from
0: band-aid live aid was born yes right um, and you wanted to do more that what that they wanted to do more is that
1: um it was so what i read was that it kind of stemmed from like a culture club show where they had a lot in london they had a lot of the performers from band-aid get on the stage at the end of the show and they all sang the song together and it made boy george cry and (laughs) so great um you know, Bob. We need to do this. We need to have a full, a whole concert. And Bob was like, "Are you planning it?" And he's like, "No."
0: <laughs> so, Bob's like, "Okay."
1: Okay. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh! So should we get into Live Aid?
1: Let's let's go into Live Aid.
0: So on July thirteenth, nineteen eighty-five, Live Aid took place, and it was took place simultaneously between. Wembley Stadium in London and JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And it's my understanding that this this was like nothing of the likes of this had ever happened before. Like this was the most amazing fundraising concert and awareness concert of all time. Um, it was I mean, more people than you can imagine. Anyone that was big was playing it. Um, But we are, of course, talking about U2. Yes. So U2 played. This was a huge deal for them. They were just coming off Unforgettable Fire. And, I mean, they were playing with the likes of, like, Queen, the biggest band in the world. And u is like...
1: Totally out of their element.
0: Totally out of their element. And, And just another one of the big bands. Like, they weren't... I think they were happy to participate. Right. They had, if I understand correctly, so they have a, a, a certain allot amount of time they were supposed to play Sunday Bloody Sunday, Bad, and then Pride, which was their big Min- hit.
1: They had 15 minutes.
0: 15 minutes to play their yeah. three songs. And Pride First, was like, this was it. Like, this was their big clinching, big single moment. They got through Sunday Bloody Sunday, and then Bad took a detour think it was like 12 minutes long or something
1: i think it was
0: something like that
1: and and, uh,
0: go ahead you want to tell what what happened during bad
1: (laughs) bob Bob go back
0: you have something else
1: that was that uh no one could leave the stage and no extra people could go on the stage Mm -hmm. so um totally didn't uh abide by that there was um i hope i get the story right they was. he saw a girl that he thought was getting like smushed um that's part of the story but he okay. said he was looking for a tv moment and not thinking about the context of everything that needed to happen on stage so he tried to get the girl to come up from the barricade and ended up not waiting around for that and jumping They said 10 feet. It was
0: huge. Like this stage was like he went down one level, which was easily a few feet. And then he's trying to like coax this girl over the barrier from the general mission. And he was kind of like, fuck it. I'm just getting down there. And it is a, it is a full story. (laughs) Like (laughs) This was no joke. And you know, which means there's also no easy way back up. I just watched it the other day and I think three girls end up coming over.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, but that was, you know, the big no-no. And he spent so long. He also, it had to be, in addition to leaving the stage, he added every single song in the world into bad. He snipped every song. like on Every even, song. Every satellite of Love and, uh, I don't know, Sweet Jane maybe. No, Walk on the Wild Side. Walk on
0: the Wild Side.
1: Uh, I don't know. Oh my
0: gosh, there was something else at the end before Walk on the Wild Side. Um, I can't think what it is. I should have had it written down. But yeah, and it's like he realizes he needs to get back going, so he gets back up to the mic and proceeds to insert like three more songs. <laughs> it's like, I think it's time to wrap it up
1: now. <laughs> right, so they had a few songs and they had two songs and they didn't get to play their single and um they there was a quite the hoopla about that the band was very angry with bono
0: and bono um, like went into hiding
1: yeah was he was a, he was, <laughs> a was,
0: personal hiding
1: edge said um when bono jumped off the stage the rest of the band couldn't see him and yeah. they and Edge said it, it crossed his mind that maybe Bonner just left <laughs> <laughs> they were all so nervous like this was not this is not the norm that's not the norm for anybody right? Um, but he said that um, they panicked because he said he was just gone they couldn't see where he was they couldn't see what was happening um, and uh, yeah and Beast Bono said he uh he was just looking for a TV moment and forgot about uh, yeah. pride. So uh the band was pissed off with him. He was depressed because he thought he fucked up their set, like really depressed.
0: Um Right. Like he ruined they ruined every he ruined everything.
1: Everything. Like that yeah. was it. They were that was their um that was their career. And so uh Ahead, do you have more?
0: No, I just that I guess he he emerged from hiding for a few days to learn that it was the biggest moment in the entire event, and they were like topping the charts, and all everyone
1: the, was talking about it. Yeah, all of their albums went back on the charts. Um, Paul McGuinness apparently called him, their manager at the time, called Bono and said um, that people had. Said that um, that Bono and Freddie Mercury had stolen the show, and Bono said uh, he thought they were all mad because the band was crap. Um, <laughs> but Paul McGuinness says uh, after that day, nothing was ever the same again because everybody knew who Bono was. Yeah. Um, so, I you know I love 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 that performance. I do not believe it was the best performance of the day. I can't, I mean, I think that, that queen performance was, uh, I think it was voted by Rolling Stone as the best live rock performance in the history of the world. And I, I agree with that, that I, they, that was just amazing. It was amazing that that you two were not all that popular and they had so many fans with, signs like you see those signs um when everyone's playing and uh you can see it when if you watch Bohemian Rhapsody you can see well you can see the band going on stage passing Queen but you can also see the U2 signs in the crowd which is kind of cool
0: yeah
1: it's a very good movie if you haven't seen it you should check it out
0: yeah for sure it's true like I mean that's I think it's one of those moments it's make make or break and it just depends how people start talking about it yeah like, if a few people start praising it, it just spirals.
1: Okay, the songs that Bono snipped into bad were Satellite of Love, Ruby Tuesday, Sympathy for, uh, Sympathy for the Devil, and Walk on the Wild Side. Okay. They were, um, Paul Young went on before them, and Dire Straits, poor Dire Straits, went on after them. So Dire Straits was between you 2 and Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Still did it. I mean, I, Dire Straits was amazing that day. They yeah. had seeing right. uh, I want my MTV? These are the some of the bands that performed with the, that day. Which you have to again, they were just live aid, yeah, yeah. They were just these young kids, and they played um, with the, on the same billing as. Um, Elvis Costello Sting um, Dire Straits Queen David Bowie The Who Elton John Paul McCartney I mean this is yeah. This is Crazy Lineup um, In uh, Philadelphia Was uh, Black Sabbath Run DMC Crosby, Stills And Nash Um Beach Boys, Simple Minds, Pretenders.
0: Oh my! God. I mean, anyone who's anyone.
1: Yeah, Madonna, Tom Petty, Neil yeah. Young. Um. Oh, and this is just a, a little fun fact that has nothing to do with you two, but um, Phil Collins played both London and Philadelphia because he, he left London because he took- could. <laughs> took the Concorde to Philadelphia and. So he played both shows, which I always think is kind of cool. I don't know. I'm obsessed with that concert. I yeah. watched it in, I watched it for real um, on MTV. I think, I think I thought it was all live, but the only live part that I could have, most of the only live part I could have seen was Philadelphia because of the time difference. Yeah. So I saw some of England, but I don't think I woke up at, you know, five in the morning or whatever, or seven yeah. to start watching that. But I was a little kid. Um, and I got the PO box number from MTV. And my mom wrote like a check for $10. Like oh, my-
0: nice. Yeah. Good
1: I had job, Leslie
0: way to support. So I think this was a really good, like little pause before we hit the monster that is the Joshua tree. Yes,
1: It is. Um, this was way more overwhelming than I expected though. But um it's nothing compared to the behemoth that is the Joshua Tree,
0: which is just the first of the behemoths. And I mean, it's that, like the behemoth junior.
1: Yeah, it is the. Uh, and I guess that you know every episode probably from here on out should be called "Good Stuff" because that's the continuing <laughs> theme. Um, the other song on that album is called "Hot Pants," and I'm so glad that we called this. Episode good stuff, good stuff instead of stuff
0: hot, hot pants. pants. <laughs> we could have called hot. Under a Blood Red Sky hot pants.
1: But yeah, I think that there was more specifically, you know, hot pants.
0: Dog's gonna go creepy. Hot pants.
1: Um, but pants. Um, but to give that album a whirl, it's pretty good.
0: 1992.
1: Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. I haven't
0: listened to that in forever. Well, thanks
1: everyone for listening. you so much we're very flattering your friends
0: and oh we're so glad that you're enjoying this journey with us this is fun
1: we're having a lot of fun so I I hope you are too
0: well until next time y'all and we'll see you soon bye bye we'll talk to you soon we'll listen soon
1: you'll hear us soon
0: yeah Bye. bye bye Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people, and of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts, or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.